What's up, everybody? It's the Locked On Sabres podcast, your Wednesday edition. Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres, this podcast, and WGR Sports Radio. And Jordan Hanskin from the Meadville Tribune, as well as Locked On Sabres. So we got a little bit of a standings update for you. If you didn't watch the games last night, uh, you missed a thriller in Toronto between the Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Toronto beats Tampa 4-3, to so they go up eight points now on the Sabres for the third Atlantic spot, but they, the Sabres do have th- two games in hand on the Leafs. So if they were to win the two games in hand, they'd have to make up a four-point difference. Florida also winning last night in Arizona, and they are now six points up on the Sabres. Sabres have just one game in hand on Florida. And before we get into the Sabres, let's spend a little time on the race here. So Toronto gets the win, um, but... They lose Jake Muzzin in the process out for four weeks. And if you look at Toronto's utilization of their defensemen um, over the course of the season, like they really use Jake Muzzin as their number one defenseman when Morgan Riley's not in the lineup and Morgan Riley's not expected back for maybe another month. Um, yeah, Muzzin, 21 minutes, 36 seconds of ice time on the season. That's third most on the team. Um Looking at his last couple of games, 22 minutes, 55 seconds, 23 minutes, and two seconds. Like he's playing big minutes, and they're going to miss him now. So I don't know. Like, is that does that really change anything for you though? And like in terms of the race for the Sabers? No, I think it's more on the Sabers themselves. Like the Sabers are going to have to prove that they uh, they can hang. So they're they're going to. I think we were looking at it. Uh, they're going to need like five points on this West Coast trip. So if they can get if they can get that amount of points, then they should be uh, in good shape there. Yeah. Are you in like a hockey locker room or something? What's going on back there? But somebody's vacuuming the hallway. Oh, I see. Gotcha. I, I guess that makes sense. It kind of sounded like you know when like uh, they're doing those locker room interviews and someone's sharpening a skate in the background. <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to box it out a little bit. No, you're fine. You're fine. I was just wondering. Um. You've got a, so yeah, Muzzin out again. I don't think it changes the race all that much for me, but it is a big loss for the Leafs and the big, their biggest issue is their defense and to be missing one of their big minute eaters. And now Tyson Berry's got to go back into a role as a number one defenseman that he's really not that well equipped for. Um, and still without Morgan Riley, I think the Toronto could be in big trouble here, but they get that win over Tampa Bay last night, uh, which was pretty big for them. Zach Bogosian for Tampa. Honestly, he he's still costing the Sabres points. I mean, he gives the puck away on the second goal uh, by the Leafs, like in his own zone, and everybody immediately just flips out on Twitter. In fact, that was the goal scored uh, by Jake Muzzin. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I, I, I can't believe that. <laughs> I can't believe that Zach Bogosian is still out here, now playing for Tampa, the most talented team I've maybe ever seen. And he still can't get the puck out of his own end. Like, they're still getting run over in their own zone. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's – I think that was probably the most questionable move at the deadline was Tampa bringing him in. And I thought that he would be – you know, I thought he would end up being a, uh, you know, healthy scratch. You know, this is like desperation mode if we need somebody to bring in instead of bringing Mm -hmm. up, you know, an AHL guy. We can bring in Zach Bogosian, you know, who's been around the league. Um, I'm surprised that he just showed up and he just started playing. Or do they do they have injury woes? I'd, I'd imagine so, because otherwise I can't see why he would be one of their top six guys. 
I, I mean, he went in for somebody. I, I don't know uh, off the top of my head if they have any. Well, Ryan McDonough's injured. Yeah, so they have one. Ryan McDon- McDonough's injured, and someone named Jan Ruda is hurt too on their blue line. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once McDonough comes back, I would. Ass- I don't know what the status of his injury is, but I would assume Bogosian goes out. But, man, that guy. Like, I cannot believe it took the Sabres as long as it did to figure out he was not an NHL defenseman. And I'm not wondering how long it'll take Tampa. Like, I would bet you he does not play more than a couple of playoff games. Like, I, you just can't have him on the ice. He so, can't, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think like necessarily like his 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 joke tweet was that he uh, drilled Braden Point in, yeah. in the nads there. Um, yeah. but you know that's not that's not why he's bad. He's bad because of the things you say. You know, he can't get the puck out of his zone. He's yeah. you know he gets pinned back there. Uh, yeah, you're they, you're right though. Like it, it was it's tough. It's tough to watch. It, it was funny that. Uh... Like that, everyone was passing. Oh, now he just killed Braden Point. Like he's just, like he just rips a slap shot, hits him right, right, like right in the stones. And um, yeah, again, like whatever. Like that's not a big deal. But it's just funny that everything seemed to go wrong for Bogosian last night in his first game with a much better team than he was on uh, beforehand. Um, it is sad because yeah. I don't, I don't really root against him, but like right. it's, it's tough to watch. <laughs> he's not, he's not a very capable defenseman. Yeah. Um, let's get into uh, the Sabres a little bit with some of the line combinations now that they got some new bodies in with Wayne Simmons, who it looks like will play tonight in Colorado. You've got Dominic Cahoon, who's expected to join the team tonight in Colorado. He's also dealing with a lower body injury that's been nagging. He says uh, in his conference call yesterday that he, if he doesn't play tonight, which I think I'd be surprised considering he hasn't practiced, but he could. Um, they don't need to rush him in, though, because they they, they had full lines uh, – uh, yesterday with uh, Lazar at center and um, uh, filling in for Evan Rodriguez on that line. So I don't think Cahoon plays tonight. Simmons probably does. Simmons on a line with Marcus Johansson and Jeff Skinner. And this might finally be the help that Jeff Skinner has needed throughout the course of the season in that he's played. If you look at the guys he's played with this season, not really once all year, has Jeff Skinner played on a line that gave him two good offensive line mates? And I'm not saying Wayne Simmons necessarily is going to be that, but he could be that because he's been that in his career. So far, Skinner this year, 22% of his minutes played on a line with Johansson and Sabatka. One decent offensive player and Sabatka, who might be the worst offensive player in the organization. It's hard to say that now because Froelich's been actually worse, but he's down there. Uh, second most frequent line for Skinner is with Rodriguez and Cherry. Rodriguez, who couldn't get anything going offensively in the beginning of the season and only has like four assists on the entire year, so he hasn't been setting people up. Uh, third most common line, 8%, is Larson and Cherry. And again, Cherry's not playmaking. Like Cherry can finish if he's with a really good center, but he's not setting you up in any respect. And Larson's had a good season, but that's not really his game either. So here we go with Johansson and Simmons. I don't know. Like, I, I kind of like it. He was probably going to stand in front of the net. He's going to maybe create some space for Skinner by doing it. I wasn't a huge fan of the trade, but I'm a little intrigued to see what uh, Jeff Skinner can do now that he might have two competent line mates. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that uh, I also just want to see if he's, you know, rejuvenated for, you know, being out of New Jersey. I think, it, I yeah. think it's tough when you're, you know, a, a veteran player to, you know, mm-hmm. keep getting up and keep having that, you know, massive drive it takes a lot more when you're in your 30s to have that 
that have that drive at night in, night out right. when your team's the last place in the standings. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, playing with Skinner also helps Wayne Simmons. You know, it's gotta, mm-hmm. it's gotta be a boost a bit. Like he's playing with one of the top goal scorers and mm-hmm. and and the Sabres organization now. Um, hopefully that there's just like a big compliment there and they fit in right away. Yeah. What do you remember from him in uh, Philly? Like, was he a player that you he liked? Really watching? Good. Like I, I loved great. him. Like, yeah. Like, I think he played, he played a lot with, uh, was it, it we played a lot with Giroux. Yeah. It was him, Giroux and uh, Voracek, I think was a pretty common line. Yeah. That's pretty nasty. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see him, what he does on special teams too. If they, if they plug him right away in the power play. I, and I'm not a big, you know, locker room guy, leadership guy. Like, I'm not going to usually put too much stock in that. But it was pretty cool to see a video yesterday. in Simmons' first practice. Like, he skates up behind Rasmus Dahlin. He just gives him a solid hit on the butt. Like, <laughs> you, you can tell this is, like, this is one of the guys. Like, he's going to fit right in. Right, yeah. And I, I don't know. To again, a point, it matters. To a point, it matters. You can't say that, sure. like, it's the only thing that matters. But I think, like, it, it is a factor. Like, if the, if the guys like him, that's good. Well, right. Like I remember actually a couple of years ago, maybe two, three years ago, I remember Jack Eichel and it was like an end of season press conference that he was like, did not have very positive body language at all. And there was a point made about how like frustrated and, and like angry he looked um, at this end of season press conference. And I remember one of the the things that he said in that press conference was about leaders on this team that are leaders, but can't really pull their own weight on the ice. And most people took that as him taking a shot at Josh Georges, who was a leader on this team, but had just fallen off a cliff in terms of being like one of a guy that could be a top four defenseman on your team. Like he was still playing top pair minutes, but the guy couldn't pass. The guy couldn't move his hips quick enough to stay with speedy forwards. Like you just knew he should not be playing in the role he was playing in. And Eichel, like you could tell he was frustrated. Like this is a leader on our team. Like he sucks. And that's going to matter. Like, that's why I think Bogosian to me, it only matters so much how good a leader he is, how good a locker room guy he is when he can't pull his own weight on the ice. And that will be the test with Simmons. If right now walking in the room, he's a respected guy and people like him and they'll look, they'll like, they'll listen to him and like advice and such. But if he starts to go out there and he can't play and he is the player that he looks like on the stat sheet in New Jersey, where he's only got eight goals in 61 games. Well, suddenly all those leadership qualities he has, I think are just going to go out the window. Yeah, no, you're you're right about that. If he if he's you know in a twenty game point slump, then right. we're going to be questioning the leadership abilities because the leadership abilities can only go so far. <laughs> how, how do you feel, by the way, about I, like I I don't I'm not going to defend Vladimir Sabatka at all uh, because I think he shouldn't have been on this roster halfway through last season, but like he's still in the roster and the Sabres just gave out his number. Like yeah, just like here, take it. Like the. Uh, it's like Simmons walks in. He's like, oh, I want to wear a number. He's like, uh, Sabat is here, but uh, you can have it. He's like, you sure? Because he's on the roster. Like, I can take a number. No, it's fine. Just take 17. <laughs> I think the Sabres and Sabaka probably both know that he's not just, he's not going to play again for the team. Right. So they just move on with the number. Um, what if they I'm didn't tell him anything? It. I what if they didn't the tell him anything? Sabatka just saw it on social media. Like, oh, they're giving my number away. Okay. <laughs> he's just sitting there, just sitting on his couch. <laughs> like, like hey, um, <laughs> but yeah, I love the numbers. If, if we wanted to talk a little about that, um, Coon yeah. especially. I, you, like, I love the high number. 
95. I, well, I love the birth. I love the birth year numbers. Mm-hmm. I always get a kick out of that with, uh, normally it's, you know, kind of reserved for the guys that are, uh, first overall, but I like Cahoon going out, going out on the limb being like, I want my birth year number. Right. Um, yeah, I like it though. He wore 24, I think in Pittsburgh and I, is that taken off the top of my head? I can't, oh, pilot has it. Um, but yeah, I like that he went for the high number. Like I, I think a lot more players should do that. I think it's cool, and um, I think it gives off the uh, yeah the the idea that the guy's faster than what he is. I think like if you see ninety five skating down the wing, I think you're faster. I I don't know why. Good point. I think think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, That's interesting. I'm gonna keep an eye out for that because he's he's actually a pretty good skater. but maybe he'll look like he's got blazing speed out there. I don't know. We'll see. Joe DiBiase and Jordan Hanskin on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Uh, I'm excited to see Cahoon, and I think that there is an option out there for the Sabres that they haven't wanted to explore with Sam Reinhardt, and maybe we'll touch on that again. I hate bringing it up so often because it just gets exhausting. But on Cahoon, I thought it was really interesting in his conference call when he was asked about his position flexibility because he's played – primarily wing in his time in Chicago last year in Pittsburgh. And I yesterday um, doing the, uh, the interview with Hunter Herio from, um, from locked on penguins. The, he said that he's played no wing or no center this year in Pittsburgh. And he played very little last year in Chicago. But despite that, when he was asked about position flexibility in his conference call yesterday, he made a point like three times in answering the question that he's a natural centerman that he played center his entire life, that he played center before he got to the NHL. And yes, he can play. He basically said, yes, I can play all three positions, but I'm a center. And to me, if I'm Ralph Kruger, and maybe this guy isn't, but maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about. And maybe he thinks he's better than he is and he shouldn't be playing center in the league. Maybe that's the case. But if I'm Ralph Kruger, the Sabres coach, and I got a new player who walks in the door, a new forward with this current roster that I have, the, before I even say hello to him, the first question I'm asking him is, can you play center? I'm asking him that question. And it sounds to me, listening to Cahoon yesterday, the Cahoon's answer to that question would be a pretty confident yes. And I just, you know, where we're at in the season, they've been willing all year to put a guy who's played wing for the majority of his career, Marcus Johansson, down the middle because he would do a better job in an offensive center position than your alternatives, which are Curtis Lazar and Johan Larson and Rasmus Asplin. I think maybe the same logic should be applied to, hey, just let's give Cahoon a shot there. He says he can do it. He sounds very confident he can do it. If it doesn't go well, we'll put Johansson back there, but let's take a shot at this and put him down the middle. I'd love to see him on a line with uh, Jeff Skinner and maybe just throw Johansson on his right wing. I think it could work. Yeah, would you? So that's what you would. That was, that was going to be my, my question is you want Cahoon with Johansson and Skinner? Oh, yeah. Maybe even like yeah. Cahoon, Skinner, and Simmons, or maybe then drop yeah, down that would Simmons. Work. Drop down Simmons or, you know, even Johansson. I mean, imagine how much better the Lazar line would be with a guy like yeah. Johansson out there. I, um, I would drop Simmons down to more of a checking line. Um, I, I'm not super yeah. confident he'll be able to refine his score, goal scoring ability. But I, again, I think there are worse options than him. But I, I like Cahoon more right now in terms of offensive upside than Simmons. And I'd like to you find a way to get him wanna, in the top six. You probably also want to, you know, crunch his minutes a little bit, you know, prolong. I mean, he, he's an older guy. Simmons? Yeah. 
So yeah. you probably want to, you probably want to, you know, keep him under. You don't want him playing like 22 minutes. You're right, and I think the opposite should be true for Cahoon. Cahoon's been underutilized, I think, in his career. At least there's an argument right. that he has been only playing 13 minutes a night for Pittsburgh. Like, what does he look like? What do his numbers look like when he's playing 16, 17 minutes, which is still not all that much. But I'd like to see that in a second-line role. Of course, in a perfect world, I'd tell you I want Sam Reinhardt to be their second-line center, but obviously that's not happening for whatever reason. I actually floated this last night on my radio show, um, the nightcap on WGR that there's just no more logical explanation to me for why Reinhardt has not even been attempted to play center, except for it's got to be one of two things. It has to be one of two things. One, Ralph Kruger really is dead set, and this is probably the more likely of the two, but he is dead set on having a super line, that he wants his three best forwards that he thinks are on his team on the same line that whenever they go out there, they are dominating the other team on the ice. So that's going to be Eichel. It's going to be Reinhardt. And that's Olsen. He's not splitting that up for anything. Even if he does think Reinhardt can be a second line center, that would be the first thing that could be happening. But I do also wonder if maybe, maybe this is, this could be the case. Maybe Sam Reinhardt went to them and said, I don't want to play center. Like I'm on Jack Eichel's right wing right now. Like I'm cool. Like leave me alone. I'm going to chill on Eichel's right wing and be fine. Yeah, maybe, maybe at least until he gets, you know, he gets the payday that he he needs. But that that doesn't make sense though, because if you think you're going to get paid more if you're a center. But I mean, he's, you know, it's it's tough because then he's he's betting on himself to be able to produce without Eichel. That's true. That's Um, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's just like I mean, I wonder if like he. These guys talk about it. These guys think about it. He's definitely thought about, you know, I can rack up a lot of points here mm-hmm. and the Sabres are going to have to give me my payday. Not that he he has he has earned, you know, the payday. Sure. As, at least thus far. Um, but he's earned it as, you know, a top-line winger rather than, you know, a second-line center, which is probably – it's probably about the same, actually. Yeah, that's actually probably Money-wise. about the same. So, you, yeah, you, so, actually, you make a good point. There, there's something to be said for – the 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 production you put up when you're playing with Eichel that um that makes sense for that but again the, these are the needs of the individual the needs of the team should be to have him I think on that second line and like I respect the guys and the instigators on WGR but I just could not disagree more with uh with them saying yesterday and it wasn't Craig Reve actually wants Reinhardt playing second line center I think it was either Andrew or Marty or somebody um maybe it was even Brian Duff but somebody said yesterday that he's had a chance to play center in the league and he just hasn't produced and that's just so not true it's so not true he had a chance at like 18 when he was like horribly undersized on a tank just not ready not ready to go he should have just started that season in uh you know WHL yeah yeah and and at the time, remember, they were a tanking roster. Like, he was playing bottom six minutes with who? Zach Delpy? And what? Was Matt D'Agostini still here? I don't even remember who was on the... the, the it, was, it, was not, it was not a pretty team. I mean, right. yeah, it was, the, it was the team that tanked for Eichel. It was, the, like, the worst team and arguably one of the worst teams right. in Eichel. And, and his other chance in Housley's first season only lasted about a week and a half. And his most common line mates in that week and a half were Seth Griffith and Nick Baptiste. Like two AHL wingers, so like, come on, the guy's gotten hasn't gotten a, or has gotten a real chance. Like he has not gotten a real chance to do it, and you can't tell me now that with options like even Simmons in the picture, but you can't tell me in a second line with Marcus Johansson 
and Jeff Skinner that he's not at least still going to be like a 50 point player. Like maybe he's not going to be a 65 to 70 point player like he's tracking towards right now. But I think there's no way he just tanks and isn't like giving me still solid production down the middle. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you with the second line center thing, um, but the super line seems like it's too good to pass up for Kruger right now because that's, yeah, that's that's where he gets out. what like sixty percent, seventy percent of his point production. Seemingly, right? Yeah, they've done a little bit better lately, I, and that's why I think they're winning games. Yeah, because you know they're getting production out of Kylock Poso and uh, guys like that. Um, right. I, think I don't that, think I don't think you can break up a line that you know provides so much of your scoring output. And I think that's got to be it. Like I, I think maybe past coaches have just not wanted to put Reinhardt center just because they think he's a winger. I think Kruger could think that Reinhardt could do it. I think that could be in there, but he it it is the thing about the, having the super line because otherwise there's an inconsistency because they have put a winger in Marcus Johansson down the middle this season. And again, he hasn't been as good as he's been on the wing, um, but he's not too far off his career point pace. He's about a point every other game this season. He's had some troubles in his own end, but like, I think he's been okay. I don't think he's been very good at second line center for them, but I think he's been okay and better than the alternatives. Um, So they've showed that they're willing to do it, but, I guess putting Reinhardt aside for a second, because I just don't think it's going to happen. That gives me op- optimism that maybe they realistically will. Like I'm, maybe I would predict that they will take a shot at seeing if Cahoon can play uh, play center. And I don't think ideally for the future, you want him as your second line center, but I don't know, man, just to have that position flexibility, I think would be a good thing to have. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And the Reinhardt thing, he could always address it, you know, in the off season when, you know, he's not making the playoff push. Like, you pro- he probably just doesn't want to make a drastic change, like, right now, mm-hmm. considering right. where where they're at. He's That's probably, probably right. Like, I'm content with I'm content with my Eichel line, and I just, <laughs> I'm I'm going to the altar every night and praying that Kyle Poso keeps scoring. Right. And, you know, that's that's where that's where he's at with that. And then he'll have an entire offseason, you know, talk to Reinhardt about maybe playing second-line center, switching everything up getting the influx of talent from the AHL and we'll see what the Sabres look like next year. Right. Um, Sabres and avalanche tonight, uh, Carter Hutton getting the start in net. I actually have a bit of an issue with that. I thought, so Hutton has played much better since Allmark went out, but he is still prone to having a game once in a while where he just flat out loses it for you. That was the Ottawa game. He lost them that hockey game. He That can happen with him. Um, he's very consistent at this point in his career. And I really thought Jonas Johansson against Winnipeg was phenomenal. Like, I thought he was great. Like, he was tracking the puck well. He made three or four incredible saves in the second period of that game. Um, he was moving I, moving side to side very well. Like, he, you could tell he's athletic. And is he a little bit sloppy because he's still a very young goaltender? Yeah, a little bit. But to be honest, Hutton, like, fell over a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, like, on, on a goal. So talk about sloppy. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think they should give the kid a shot to maybe see if he can be – the number one, while Allmark is continues to be out, Allmark's getting closer to return. I think he's like a week or two away at this point, um, if that. But it's it's an important game tonight, and I wish I I would be starting Johansson to be honest. Yeah, I think I think they're all important now. You know, it's like every right. game matters. They're, they're well, like remember so remember when they wrote uh, was it maybe it was the it was the year actually they made the playoffs. It was 2011, and Miller got hurt 
towards the end of that season. And he was only, it wasn't, uh, it was only up for a little bit. Like it wasn't like a long-term injury, but instead of going with Laleem, who was the backup all season, get, getting the load, the, the big load of the work, they called up Enroth from Rochester and gave him the, the, the big workload. And he went seven and zero down the stretch to make the postseason. Like that was a big reason that happened because they trusted the kid over the veteran backup. And I'd like to see the same logic applied here. Like, you know what Hutton is at this point. Go for the upside. Go for Johansson because, hey, maybe it's not likely, but there's a chance this kid just shows up and just starts to win games for you. And I kind of think he did do that in Winnipeg for them. Like Winnipeg, I think, should have won that hockey game. It was pretty close. Like It wasn't crazy. but um, So, yeah, uh, Pavel Francouz is playing net for uh, Colorado. I don't really know much about him other than I know that he signed an extension. Um with the Avalanche this season. He's from the Czech Republic. He started 26 games this year. He's actually been really good. Tw- uh, 927 save percentage. He'll be in net for Colorado. Uh, any thoughts on Colorado in terms of like the, uh, in terms of the playoffs and like what they present as a, like, do, they, they, do you consider them a Stanley cup contender or do you think they're just a team that makes the playoffs and like probably not going to do a lot? I would say that anybody that has, you know, that is one of the top two in their division is probably a cup contender just because of that's how kind of hockey works is that it's really, it's probably like eight to 10 teams that could all win it realistically. Right. Um, but yeah, like I think their I think their offense is pretty sensational. I think oh, yeah. they have, like Nate McKinnon's legit. I mean, Gabriel Landeskog. I I love the way Gabriel Landeskog plays. Like he's like he's yeah. like a hard hitting power forward, but also has a lot of offensive skill. I was gonna say he's like a, he's like a he's not Milan Lucic. He's not a dinosaur. Like he's the type of power no. forward you want. That like he's a power forward, but he can skate. Like he can move with Mc. He's not gonna. Uh, McKinnon was one of the fastest players in the league, so he can't quite skate with McKinnon. But like he can keep up and. He's only 27, so maybe that'll change in four or five years when he gets to like Lucic's age. So maybe I shouldn't completely rag on him. But yeah, I agree with him. And Rontanen is like a point of game player in the league now. Like he's phenomenal. And he's actually not going to be playing tonight. So he will not be in the lineup for uh, Colorado. He's had dealt with some injuries this year. But yeah, look at Rontanen. Uh, 41 points in 42 games this year, 87 points in 74 games last year, 84 points in 81 games the year before that. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of his game, too. JT Comfier, by the way, still hanging around in Colorado. He's got 26 points in 58 games. He's become a pretty good third-line center. Uh, also, I know this might be a guy you would have wished the Sabres would have took a shot on uh, or a flyer on in the offseason because you're big, I think, on uh, taking flyers on offensive Russian players. But um, oh, yeah, Valerie Nikushkin, who, former first-round pick of the Dallas Stars, Colorado took a one-year flyer on him, super cheap salary, uh, only $850,000. And, like, he's not been great, but 28 points or 25 points in 56 games, pulling 13 minutes a night, like, on a third line, 12 goals. Like, that's the type of move I think the Sabres need. It's like a little bit of offensive depth, like, somewhere in your bottom six. Yeah, and that's, like, that's like the perfect move for a team that's, you know, trying to just get a little bit better is you get the cheap bargain guy. That is high upside and low risk. Hmm. I think it, that, that that made that made a ton of sense for any team. Eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. Eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. Uh, I'm I'm upset that they have him and we don't. Yeah, uh, they have one other Russian, by the way, former Saber Nikita Zadorov, uh, still going in Colorado, averaging solid, eighteen minutes solid. a night. NHL yeah. defenseman, not nothing, nothing special, but like you know, he can play. 
And, and the guy that I should have mentioned right off the top that is becoming one of my favorite players to watch. In fact, like if I had to rank in terms of players, like I'll, when I'm looking around the NHL and like I want to watch a hockey game tonight, I'm starting to get into like this is a thing that happens in basketball a lot. It's like, oh, I'm going to watch the Lakers because of LeBron. I'm going to watch the Bucks because of Giannis. Like I'm not watching teams to watch teams necessarily NBA. I'm looking for individuals, right? Well, hockey's not really like that normally, but there are certain players in the league that I'll pick out and be like, I'm watching this game because I want to watch Connor McDavid play tonight. Like McDavid's probably number one for me in that. But I would say for in my top five for that is Kale McCarr. Like Kale McCarr on the back end for Colorado. He's still only 21. He's become their number one defenseman already. And that guy is just dynamic. Like he, he looks like... I don't know. He almost, he skates like McKinnon. Like he's almost like violent in how he skates. Like if you ever watch McKinnon skate, it looks like he's trying to like dig into the ice. It's not like Eichel. Eichel's very smooth and uh, collected, like going up and down. Makar is like a violent skater. If I could put it that way, he looks like he stick handles like Patrick Kane. He's got a hell of a shot and he's a defenseman. So like having an offensive defenseman like that, I, I'm telling you, I think this guy is going to win. I, I would say right now, if I had to guess, the best two defensemen in hockey in the next decade plus will be Rasmus Dahlin and Cal McCart. Like I think this guy is box office. That's that's big, and we get to see that matchup tonight. Rookie of the year candidate, by the way. Uh, I would say. I, in fact, what are the? Uh, let me see if I can find this real quick before we get out of here. Uh, Calder Trophy odds. I know Olafson is become a big underdog because obviously he dealt with the injury. Yeah, yeah. Olafson is at plus twelve hundred. Um. So he's he's easily third. So he'll be nominated, but yeah, he'd have to go on. Uh, if if Olsen didn't get hurt, he probably would have ran away with that award. I don't know if he would have ran away with it, but I think he would have been the leader because uh, I yeah. think the other two guys being defensemen um, helps their case. Like you don't have to usually put up as many points. Right, out. right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you uh, just kind of have to be a a good solid defenseman on a good team. Right. That's kind of really, like how Myers won. Yeah, the the two rookie defensemen are like neck and neck when you look at the odds. Quinn Hughes is plus one hundred um, of uh, Vancouver, and then Cal McCarr right now, who I just mentioned, is the Calder. He's the Calder Trophy favorite at minus one sixty. So that's not a heavy favorite at all. So right now it's kind of a two horse race with uh, Olsen hanging around a little bit. Um, this casino spelled Olsen's name wrong though, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> if he anyway. hey if Olsen, you know, provides a lot of offense on like a Sabres playoff push, that could change things around pretty quick. That's right. Uh, by the way, as I'm seeing this across Twitter, I'll give you an update on it. Uh, official word from Ralph Kruger, Carter Hutton and net for the Sabres, no Dominic Cahoon. So uh, Cahoon should then be in the lineup on uh, Friday night. All right. Thanks everybody for listening to today's podcast. Joe DiBiase and Jordan Hanskin here. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. We'll recap the avalanche, the game against the avalanche a little bit, a big game against a team that ran them out of their own building. The last time they played, uh, whether that was last week or the week before, but they got smoked the last time they played Colorado. So we'll see what happens tonight. Thanks for listening. It's been the Locked On Sabres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.